But the further in the past it gets, the less reliable of a predictor it is. That's why after seven years, it's just like worthless. Thank heavens, right? Because 20 years ago or 25 years ago, my credit activity behavior was awful. And now. (laughs) I'm the captain now. (laughs) Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFFs. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 134 of the Chris and Christine Show. Happy Sunday. Also, it's also Father's Day today. So happy Father's Day to all the great dads out there. Yes. Happy Father's Day to everybody except for Chris. Wait a second. Time out. What because you- I've already said it to you 17 times, so you don't get it one more time. Because oh, come on. Father's Day, you always make it all about you. And I mean, I know it's Father's yeah, Day. I don't remember this come Mother's Day. Stop yeah. Saying. Well, you didn't remember Mother's Day. <laughs> but on Father's <laughs> Day, you didn't remember Mother's Day. I actually had to, you know, purchase my own present and all of that. On Father's Day, it's like, so what are we doing today? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm making you breakfast. And you're like, okay. It was delicious, And then by at the dinner, way. I like made this beautiful dinner and we sat down and you're like oh where's the bacon wrapped asparagus and i was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i forgot to make that but i made the fruit salad the broccoli salad the white rice the garlic bread the new york steaks wow even baked you a cake but then i was like oh let me get up and i'll make it right now and because father's day is all about you yeah yeah because you make it all about you you don't remember any other fathers on father's day Wait a second. Do did you, you text my dad? Uh, no. Because nope, you didn't. Did you buy your dad a present? <laughs> i working on it. No. Uh, it's Father's Day today. It's all about Chris show. So how does that make you feel? Very special. Thank you very much. Uh, you, you like to be like on a pedestal every day. No, I do. Not every single day. Only on Father's Day. Uh-huh. Sure. Because I'm like the ultimate dad. I'm like the... Galaxy's best dad ever. I'm so glad that you are so confident in yourself. You know, if anybody was to ever question whether or not you like had good self confidence, they would just need to have a two minute conversation with you. Well, thank you very much for pointing mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, I, I really appreciate. I think it. that you got the world's cockiest dad award today. There's <laughs> a trophy mm-hmm. sitting behind me right now. You know, mm-hmm. along with all my gazillion. It wouldn't be behind you because nothing gets behind you. <laughs> Super cocky father. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So, well, happy Father's Day. Well, thank you to everybody else out there. No, 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 no. Not me. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Oh, thanks, babe. I really appreciate it. You know, it means the world to me. You know, Uh, at being the wonderful dad that I am, I got dual speech. I prepared for it. See here. Um, Okay, when you say that, when you say that, being the wonderful dad that I am. Is it like, do you really believe that you're a good dad? Because you are a good dad. But do you believe it? Or do you say that to try and get people to like affirm you to make you feel like you're a good dad? Because you are a good dad. Well, thanks. First off, thank you so much for saying that. And I also do believe that I am. But there's moments when you have your slip ups, I guess, so to speak. We don't feel like you are the world's greatest dad, you know. Um, well, you don't always have to be the world's greatest. You just have to be the world's greatest to your kids. That's correct. I guess it kind of like look at like this. Are my kids like in juvenile hall right now? No. 
But even are if they, they were, that's not a reflection on you as a parent. I thought it was. No, it if wasn't. You, if you're, it's about kids making choices. So no, we're not going to shame parents out there that have kids that have made bad choices. But I mean, don't assess your value for your kids based off of their decisions. Okay. I, so do you feel like you're a good dad? Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. Good. And, um, you don't have to have criteria for that. You just need to know you're a good dad because so many people are like, well, I'm a good dad because, you know, I go to my kids' games or I put a roof over their head. You don't have to have reasons, honey. You just are. By showing up for your kids, you are. There you go. Showing up for the kids and, and delivering the best you you can for your kids mm-hmm. at any given time is the best way to do it. And remember the time a few weeks ago when I was helping Mason out in the bathroom when he wasn't feeling very well? Mm-hmm. Dad of the Year Award. I got a star for that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> you mean when you left him on the bathroom floor and closed the door on him because you were about to throw up? You know what? That would be... <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget but the you got the number one uh you got the good old college try award like you gave it a shot that is more than if, speaking of college if we were in college right now at a frat house and that happened you know what would happen to the person in the bathroom that was passed out hung over the toilet sharpie time you know what i'm saying sharpie all over their face sharpie all over themselves what and, are you talking and, about and have you, would, you even lived in a frat house and you'd post that on social media and it'd oh go my gosh viral. that's like every movie you've ever watched that's not real life Google frat party pictures and you will uh, No, <laughs> don't, don't. This is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> or even drunk party no, pictures from no. like frat houses and stuff. Negative. And the funniest ones are when people are like passed over like on the toilet and somehow they, I don't know how they do this, but they stack bottles or beer cans on their head in like a tower. Is this like something that you Google in the <laughs> they, evening? And they have Sharpies all over themselves. Um, you know what's funny? It does not discriminate. It could be girls or boys. I've seen crazy pictures from okay both. but back to father's day because this is what we were talking about oh not yeah frat back, parties. back to that baby yeah, go ahead. yeah so i was asking you honestly do you really truly believe that you are a good father honestly yes i do good Thank i'm you. glad you do and for all of you fathers out there we want to affirm you you don't have to have x amount of things to make you a good father you know, you don't have to list all of these different things. Just the fact that you show up for your kids is enough. You know, it's really funny because I was looking on social media today, hun, and I was looking at all of these, like my friends that were posting like, my dad is the best dad in the world. And I was like thinking, well, they can't all be the best dad in the world, but they can be the best dad in the world to their kid. And that's what's most important. It's like your children should feel like you're the best dad in the world. That's right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to be ever since they were born. You know, I remember I was always taking care of the diapers and always changing them and taking them places. And I would take Mason to places when Jacob was in uh, pre-K or even kindergarten because mm-hmm. Mason was too young to go in school, you know. So I drop off Jacob at school. I walk him to the classroom, meet the teacher. We hang out. He showed me his friends and where he sat and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then I would take Mason and we would do something fun like we go to the park or to the beach or SeaWorld or something. And then when I go pick up Jacob in the day, in the afternoon, he'd be mad. Jacob would be, yeah, he'd be mad. He'd be like, so what did you and Mason go do all day today then? I said, well, we went to the park or something. Well, I got, I was stuck in class all day. You went to do something fun with Mason. Mm-hmm. So Jacob started getting a little jealous, I think, because of that stuff. But then Mason started going to school too. So they both had to suffer, I guess, at that point. So suffer? I, so then I started taking them after school. When I pick them up from school, I would take them over 
over to the uh, frozen yogurt place. I call it Froyo, and I get them Froyo. And you school. still do that quite often on Mondays. It's been a while since I've been over there. I think since we moved, because now we live closer to the school and further away from the Froyo. It's like going out of your you way. You still to go every other week. You go to Menchie's. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I do love it over there. You, you know? do. You you act like you don't. You do. I keep track. And now the kids, I used to actually pile up their own froyos for them. But now that I let them do them themselves, it's all soft, soft serve, do it yourself kind of place. But now they like to load and pile up all the goodies. You're talking M and M's, Oreos, syrup, cherries, strawberries. Yeah. They just pile it all on, and they do it. They charge you by the weight over there. So you have to get a credit card out. <laughs> After you get these kids over there, I get their froyo. It used to be cheaper back in the day. Well, let's get to the small little Back sample. in the day. <laughs> well, here in the city where we live, there's actually this place that's called Yogurt Mill. And Yogurt Mill is different from like the by the weight kind of frozen yogurt places. Yogurt Mill, first of all, they serve all of their frozen yogurt in old school styrofoam cups, which we love because it keeps it colder a lot longer. But second of all, for like four dollars you can get this massive portion of frozen yogurt and you know chris you know what i'm talking about they they have that really mega cup it's like a 32 ounce size cup like a big big gulp cup size yeah it's basically like a big gulp but it's made out of styrofoam and you can get that full of frozen yogurt and it's only like seven dollars and you can get like a topping or two and it's still like only eight or nine dollars versus going to like a menchie's or something like that and you get like the little tiny frozen yogurt container and it's like, you know, $15 or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. But we love to go to Yogurt Mill because it's just, well, it's super fun, but they only take cash. But anyways, we didn't do that today. Instead of that for for our dessert, after we're done podcasting, your little Jacob made you a cake. He did? He did. I taught him how to make a swirl cake with yellow cake and like a fudgy chocolate. Ooh, and then I made good. a frosting out of like Hershey's powder buttercream. So Look at I don't know if the frosting's so good. I followed the recipe on the container, but you know, it's it's all about the effort, right? You know, Christine over here, lovely wife, and she can bake a, bake, bake a cake too, you know, <laughs> on Father's Day. On Father's Day, you're right. And I made you lots of food today. Oh, thank you so much. It was delicious. Awesome. So, but enough about me and Father's Day. Back to you, baby doll. What exciting new things have happened to you in your last week? Well, um, a couple of exciting things. So first of all, I am, of course, going back to work for the next fiscal year at my regular full-time job. I got my contract, which was awesome. I always love it when I get my new contract and just really proud of, you know, looking back at my career over the last 18 years and being like, oh my gosh, look how far I've come. And I remember the first contract that I got, it felt, I mean, it was like way tiny compared where I'm at right now. And it's just, you know, looking at that new contract and looking back over that 18 years of my career. I just feel really proud of the hard work. But then the other exciting news is, and this is news for people that are out there that might have school loans and work for any kind of public entity, uh, nonprofit or public education or anything like that, is there's this program called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness through the US, um, well, I don't know, it's through the federal government. And it's a loan forgiveness program. And typically... It has all of these rules that you have to follow to be able to get your loans forgiven. It's like you get into the program, you have to work for 10 years and make 10 years of payments on your loans. And then after that, they'll forgive your loans. But because of COVID and all of you know everything that's been happening with the economy, 
they change the rules. Okay, was it now? You- it's hugely different. So what it is is because like I just finished my doctorate and I was going to like sign up for the program, but then I would have to pay for 10 years to be able to get the rest of a portion of my loans forgiven because not all of the loans qualify for the program. However, because I already had paid for 10 years to pay off my undergrad and most of my master's, they're now saying you can enter the program now. They'll give you the 10 years of credit for your work that you've already worked for public education or public entities and the 10 years you've already paid, and they'll forgive whatever that eligible loan debt is that you've just accrued. No way. So for me, I'm just praying that I can get all of the paperwork done I might have to fly up to Fresno to get a couple of signatures to validate that I had worked for Fresno Unified and then I have to get the one from my employer now. But if I can get everything in before October, then it looks like about 60 to 70% of my loans will be forgiven. That's all loans? Well, 60 to 70% of my loans qualify because what happened is like, okay, so they've they've done all these really different things to like help people out. And it's like you have three or four different types of school loans that you can get. One is called FFELP, FELP. Another one is a direct, um, they call it like a direct or a direct subsidized loan. It means like the government is paying the interest on your loan while you're in school. The other one is like a direct graduate loan. Well, the direct subsidized loan and the FELP loans, you can get them consolidated through the federal government into one payment. Then that whole payment qualifies for forgiveness. No way. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Working the system, babe. I love it. Well, I mean, it would be amazing because just the payment on that stuff alone. Oh, I didn't want to hear it. What is it? $1,800 a month. Whoa. Eight, that, that's and like, they could forgive wow. the whole thing. No way. Potentially. That well, do, whole payment. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. I know. So I'm just, you know, and this is for anybody out there that might be like facing student loan debt. I mean, for me, I had a very expensive doctoral program it's definitely paying its paying its way with the different opportunities that I've been getting. But that was really exciting news. So I'm working really hard to try and get all that paperwork in because I would really love that. I mean, that would be such a huge gift. And, you know, there might be people out there that are like, why are you getting your loans forgiven? Da, 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 da. But you've got to remember, I've worked 18 years for, I mean, at the very beginning of my career, very low wages just because I was really passionate about teaching giving lots of different hours to work with kids. And it's like, okay, I'm okay with getting my loans forgiven with all that I've given to public education. I feel like it's well-earned. Do they have something like that with the GI Bill? Yes, they do. Okay. But you don't have to take out loans with the GI Bill. It's just you get an allotment at the very beginning. And it's like after four years of service, then you get this amount of money that you can use towards education. But you can only use it towards education. Nothing else, right? Uh, living expenses associated with education, like reasonable living expenses, right. but it has to be it, it has to be used for you or a direct family member. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, um, that is also beneficial too for those who have served. And thank you for your service. Right, absolutely. And so it's rare that you get a situation like this where the government says, "Okay, we're going to change the rules and make it easier for you to take advantage of this program." And so. That was really exciting news. But then the other very big news is... Wait, wait, wait. There's more? That wasn't the biggest thing? Yes, but wait. There's more. Um, Christine Smith Design Studios is officially finished. No way. Yes, it is. Oh, wow. It looks amazing, babe. It does look amazing. And 
the painter came back to do some touching up because some of the paint had um, kind of buckled with the heat. It was just way too hot. And um, we were talking about it today that the room was closed off and it was trying to make it dry way too fast, which caused it to crack. So he came back and fixed all of it. And you and I got our first little bits of furniture for in there. Oh, yeah. It's getting so cute. Nice little trip over to the Home Depot, which is a, you know, for a the store that you buy home goods for. Oh my gosh, everybody in li- that's listening knows what Home Depot well, is. Well, maybe not. Maybe you live in a different country. You never know. They have them in other countries. They do? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Or what they call like Hut Depot in some other no. countries? No. Te- what? <laughs> home Depot, don't just watch yourself now. Don't be don't be stereotyping. Igloo Depot or uh- Oh my gosh, that's so stereotypical and not appropriate. You're such a dingbat. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. We went to Home Depot. We got these really cool workbenches, and they're just going to be fantastic. And I can't wait until you put the shelves together for my cooler. Oh, yeah. we got Because sh- Christine also not only has the workspace for her office and for her design studio, we also have a full-on built-in walk-in cooler, which is about six feet by eight feet, correct? Mm-hmm. Like totally. That. Now, it's tall by about, what, 10, 12 feet tall, maybe? 10? I don't know if it's that tall, but it, it has a good amount of space. Maybe yeah, it's 10. like eight feet inside. Right, which gives you that height. Yep. So we're going to use the height to our advantage by putting the in sh- to using uh, building in shelves. That <laughs> I like how you say height. 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 It's like karate. <laughs> That's right. And we're going to put put the shelves in there that we're going to uh, put baskets and your flower stuff. Baskets? What are you talking about? Aren't they about? baskets you said you can put on there? No. Arrangements. That's what I said. Arrangements. Baskets. Don't they come baskets? <laughs> no. Hey, I, I am the wedding helper coordinator right here, you know? Wedding helper coordinator? Uh, you mean logistics manager? That too. <laughs> You're just coming up with names for yourself tonight. Yeah, where are my business cards at, by the way? Um, you don't get any because yes, do. we don't use business cards. Only I do. What about a t-shirt, maybe? I could get you a t-shirt. Like a base. It's like one of those basic t-shirts it's that like say all- helper boy on the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those basic t-shirts you see like at job sites. They have like the uh-huh. bright pink or the bright orange or whatever color and then the black lettering. It says Christine Smith Designs. No. Helper boy. No, you'll be in black with white writing. Okay. And it'll be like crew. It'll say like staff. You know, like those ones when yes. you go to like the concert where it says like staff in white that's letters. Right. Or the red, that one. the red jacket that's got like the white lettering on it. It says like uh, security. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so funny. <laughs> well, I'm very excited that construction is done and that we can get our backyard back into shape. Um, also, the other very, very exciting thing for me is that Ezekiel is flying down tomorrow to start his first leg of his summer break with us. He'll be here for about 10 days. Whoa, 10 whole days. Yeah, here, huh? then he'll go back to his dad's just over the 4th of July weekend, and then he'll be back with us uh, starting the 6th of July until the 19th of July. Oh, hey, speaking of that, do mm-hmm. you want to mention to everybody what our new fantastic summer plans are? Oh, my gosh. That is another huge thing that happened this week, right? Do you want to save it till after the interview? No, no, we can talk about it now. Okay, okay. okay so, um, where do you want to start off with this story, Mr. Christopher? Okay, so here's what happened. All right, so. Uh, do you tell, are you going to tell the full story or are you going to tell the Chris looks like a hero story? Baby, what story do you think I would tell? I think that you need to tell the truth. First of all, the cruise got canceled because who procrastinated? Okay. The reason why the cruise got canceled, we actually had the cruise paid for. Everything was good to go. Christine was looking at boarding procedures, all the fine details. Christine reads all that stuff. Most of us don't read that stuff, but Christine reads all that stuff. All that stuff. So she's looking at the uh, requirements to get on the cruise ship, and there was a section about COVID requirements for your COVID vaccine. 
proof of vaccination you have to prove before you get to the ship. First of all, I knew that we all, anybody over 12, needed to be vaccinated. So we had planned for that. We were all going to be fully we were going to have both shots before we cruised. Now you can go, Chris. So my oldest son, Jacob, is 12 years old. He just turned 12 this year. And if you may have not known that the COVID vaccination requirements have been fluctuating ever since they put him out. Oh, you're trying to justify your decision. Okay. Yes, thank you so much. So uh, some places said you have to have them. Some places said you didn't. Some places said you just needed a proof of negative COVID test. And so on and so forth. But the cruise ships have consistently said you needed to have a vaccine. They've told us for over a year. And I've been asking you for nine months. And I've been telling you and the boy's mother and your mom has been telling you to get him vaccinated. So honestly, I just procrastinated getting Jacob uh, vaccinated in time or at all for that matter. And now we don't have any time to actually get him vaccinated before the cruise ship sails. So plan B now is we have to call the cruise ship to actually see what we can do. Christine did call the cruise ship and the cruise ship said, well, no matter what, even with an exemption, we try to get an exemption. There wouldn't be any exemption because it wasn't like medically necessary. I mean, the bottom line is... (sighs) It's very frustrating because I've done all of this work to prepare for it. And I asked multiple times between you and their mom to get him vaccinated. And it just, it didn't happen. And so I took matters into my own hands and I was, I made his appointment myself and I was getting him in. And I thought that I had everything handled, but I thought that there only needed to be like two weeks in between the first and the second shot. But it ends up that there had to be three weeks in between the first and the second shot. And then he had to have 14 days for the second shot to take effect before boarding. And he would have only had seven and they wouldn't wiggle with that. And so um, there was no exemptions that were given. And so, you know, we found that out last weekend, but we had to wait until Monday to like get all the answers from the different departments. And so the kids were at school when you and I were going through all of that. And I was just I was angry, quite honestly. I was so angry because I'd paid for everything myself out of my savings and out of my business. And, you know, just to be really honest, it was really hard because it's like thousands of dollars that I'd set aside. And it was like, I don't know, it was just a really hard situation. And so um, what what were the options that you gave me? Well, one option I gave you is that I don't have to cruise. I can stay home with Jacob and Jacob and I can stay home for the entire week. And that was just like so – it was so frustrating because it's like we're doing this as a family and then it leaves me as cruising without you, my best friend, and without one of our kids. And then I'm on full-time mom duty for, you know, seven days plus traveling with two kids by myself, which is not what I signed up for, which isn't fair. No matter which way you cut this, this wasn't going to be fair for me, right? No, it's not fair. It was we either – these were the options you gave. None of them I agreed to. You stay behind and stay with Jacob. You leave Jacob behind or what was the other one you said? Like that we just um, stay in Miami for the entire nine days. Correct. What's wrong with that? And let's drive to the Keys and let's just like drive around. (laughs) Right. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Let's fly our kids all the way across the country and let's just, you know. Hang out in a hotel. Hang out in the hotel and at a beach. And, you know, that might have been okay. But but don't forget, we also looked into going to Hawaii, shifting the entire gear and switching plans to Hawaii. Well, that was after you. Okay. So you suggested the Miami thing. And so then we started to brainstorm and we're like, okay, 
if we can't go on the cruise and finally we we talked to I talked I say we I talked to a really nice guy he was able to get us a full refund for the cruise it hasn't happened yet under the vaccination requirements and so we were like okay we're gonna get this money back let's just fly to the Bahamas we're gonna fly to the Bahamas we'll go stay at the Atlantis resort which is where the kids really wanted to go and it's like staying at a water park for a couple of days. And yes, we're going to pay more for accommodations. And then we're going to have to pay for all of our meals. But we're still making good on our promise. And then, like you said, I read all the fine print. So before we committed, I was like, okay, the, all the kids have passports. The little ones have passport cards. Ezekiel, you and I have passport books. And I was like, oh, well, the passport cards work for the cruise. But let me make sure that they work for flying. And guess what? What? They don't. Oh, man. (laughs) So we were like back to the drawing board. And so then we went back to your idea of Miami. And then I was upstairs and you were kind of like doing stuff around the house. And I was like, you know what? I wonder how far it is from Miami to Orlando. And we already were renting a rental car for the first couple of days, a minivan. And then I was like, okay, it's like three and a half hours or three hours and 45 minutes from Miami to Orlando. And then I was like, hey, Chris, what if we pivot and we take the boys to Disney World? And And what did you say? I said, absolutely. Let's do that. Yeah. And so long story short, we made a pivot. um, And I know this might sound like hashtag first world problems. It totally is. It totally is. It was just very frustrating because, you know, here we've gone through so much with COVID and we thought, oh, finally, we're going to be able to have this international trip for the first time as a family. We had our first Hawaii trip canceled for the wedding. We've had all of these other, you know, thorns put in the way of all of our travel plans over the last few years. We were like, finally, the cruise. But, you know, when we when we sat down on that morning after we had to cancel everything, I think I said something to you like, I think this is actually going to work out better, whatever we figure out. First of all, there's a reason. Maybe there's going to be a COVID outbreak on that cruise ship, heaven forbid. Or what if it's an iceberg? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, there could be a lot of different things that happen or, you know, just a lot of different things. And neither I or any of our three boys have gone to Disney World. You went when you were younger. Right. right? It's it's way different now. When I went, they only had Magic Kingdom and Epcot. Now they've got like a bunch of stuff. And so when we were so nervous to tell the boys, huh? Oh, yeah. You were nervous telling Ezekiel because he was so set on the Bahamas. Yeah. And I just didn't want to let him down. But when I told him, he was overjoyed. And he said to me, he's even more excited to go to the Bahamas. I mean, sorry, to go to Disney World than he was to go on the cruise because he's always wanted to go to Disney World. And then the littles were so excited. And I think cross our fingers i think it's going to be a great trip i hope so I actually i know it's gonna be a great trip me too uh, exactly one month away from now we're gonna yeah. be going to the florida flying to miami no three weeks we're on the countdown it's under three weeks now that's right can you believe that let's check that out but you know it's definitely taken us negotiating finances and you know making sure that we were being really smart about how we were spending our money because we'd already paid for one trip and having to save up and change resources around and make sure that we weren't going into debt. And so definitely was a little bit of a tense conversation at times, right? Absolutely. And money in itself is always a tense conversation. You know, I think money is one of the reasons why families like divorce. I've heard it's one of the big reasons. That and cheating, I would say. Yeah. Two big big ones. Well, money definitely can cause a rift in a relationship. And here to talk about money with us is this week's fantastic guest. And he's going to be back with us right after this. 
If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free. Specializing in rock and alternative music, we're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day. Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 radio. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest who's going to be talking about Chris's favorite subject, money, money, money. We have joined with us personal finance expert, Todd Christensen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Todd. Thanks for being here today. The crowd was going nuts for you, man. It was, you know, standard par for the course, I, I suppose. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> you guys got some great guests. Yeah. Anytime we have a money expert, people get very excited about it. You're <laughs> so going to help heard, us solve all our problems. I heard you're giving out free $100 bills, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let me, let me, I was had a $500 bill here earlier, but uh, oh, I don't man. know if you want to trust that. Oh, yeah. Went kind of- to the last, the last podcast host that interviewed you. Sorry. We got in too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Todd, thanks so much for being here with us today. Where are you joining us from? I'm coming to you from uh, beautiful Northeast Pennsylvania near Scranton. Oh, where the office was filmed. That's it. Well, That's not it. really filmed not there. Filmed, but Michael set, yeah. was just down the road. Well, they, yeah, they filmed South- Southern California, but uh, I have been to the restaurant that the, that uh, was featured in there. Uh, was there really a restaurant featured? In, I know I thought it was all filmed here in, in no, LA. Yeah, there's... There was there was some restaurant places here that they they mentioned and I well I don't know you know I did I don't know if it was actually in there but I love that yeah, show it's, it's a good so, seafood place it's so funny Dunder Mifflin Paper Company it's oh, the best <laughs> makes want to work there you know but I always kind of like how when I see the shots them driving around the city I'm like oh that's so like L A it's, it's so obvious yeah, it's L A yep, because it yeah. wouldn't be don't you isn't it in Pennsylvania it's like a lot of more greenery and it's, it's very are, green that's uh, my wife and I moved out here just last summer and that's one of the reasons why we we moved here this green rolling hills beautiful valley here and where did you relocate from. Uh, Idaho. My wife was raised in Idaho. I'd lived there for 20 years, so near Boise. Were you a farmer or what? <laughs> no, no, no potatoes. No, uh, no. I, I, I've been with the same nonprofit for 20 years. Oh wow, that's amazing. Okay, now trivia question: As yes. you lived near Boise or in Boise, does the I can't remember what the university is, but there's a university there that I thought had a blue football field. You thought right. Yes. What is yes. it? Which university? The Bo- Boise State Broncos. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the uh, largest. I think it's the largest state uh, one in the state at University of of uh, Idaho. But yeah, it's blue. It's been blue for decades and decades, and that's just part of the school colors. Well, I went to Fresno State University for my undergrad, and I remember yep. that we would always play Boise State, yep. and anytime that the games were televised, I was like, well, they have blue turf, or is that like grass that they're spray painting blue? Or you did no, just the color in TV. <laughs> yeah. It's artificial turf. It's uh, They just replaced it, I think, uh, about three years ago. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you hear all the time, it's unfair they're not, it's, it's unfair that there are blue jerseys and on blue turf, and... And you it's turn around like, horrible okay. to watch on TV then, I would like, think. Well, it, it, 
you get adjusted to it. But then you ask, you know, what about all the green teams that play on natural turf? That that seems unfair then, right? Oh, no, I, very true. I, I guess, like the Jets, maybe. Do they wear yeah. green jerseys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be harder. because The Jets there... could use anything that's unfair if it's slanted <laughs> in their favor. Well, they do share the stadium with the Giants, so I don't know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> Well, we do appreciate you being here on the line with us today. We're super excited to chat with you. I yeah. have been, well, we've both been doing some research because as I mentioned, Chris likes to talk about money. I don't like mm-hmm. to talk. I, I like to watch like a lot of Dave Ramsey YouTube videos, I guess. Uh-huh. Like, honey, pop up. You and, talk about mon- money nonstop. But no, I just like, well, it's a cool <laughs> video and stuff. But with Dave Ramsey, I did notice that he always has like the same like philosophies just like repackaged for each video oh mm. you know it's like the same like five things or whatever mm-hmm. maybe it's less than that i don't yeah. know well he's Todd, got his core down oh yeah well we were reading that you are a personal finance expert how did you get started into that line of work oh wow uh you know i i have a passion for it mostly because when i was younger i really screwed up with money and i'd like to help people uh, avoid some of the mistakes I make, you know, like maxing out my first credit card in 36 hours. Mm-hmm. Just, what? Well, okay, so wait, stop. Told the press. <laughs> 36 hours? Wait, wait. Now, when you get your first credit card, is it like the one that has like a really low limit, like $300? I can see I that. wish. I wish. This was this was a, a, a few years ago. So this was back in the late 80s. Okay. Um, mid to late ago. 80s. And, and it was $2,000 credit limit. So this is the equivalent now of about it's five thousand dollars, wow. maybe six thousand. Seems about normal, yeah. But in thirty-six hours, you maxed it. I out? recall getting it on one uh, uh, Wednesday morning or uh, some weekday morning, and it may have been faster than that. It may have been that night, but I give myself the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but I went to a, a local, uh, like a guitar store, and bought a professional keyboard. You know, I had dreams of hitting the road and being like <laughs> Jagger. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, that didn't work out. And the keyboard was about $2,000? Yeah. Well, the keyboard itself was about 1800 Yeah. Well, 1600 and then a, I think a couple hundred for each of the two studio monitors, another 50 60 bucks, $100 for well, the I know. stand. Yeah, <laughs> I know. All the extras. And yeah, it was right about, yeah, right about $2,000. And, and so I thought it was a great deal because when I got my first credit card statement, $50, I'm like, sweet. Oh, yeah, minimum All payment. All for $50 a month. And so I, um, I, I sent off, this was even before the internet. I mean, that's how long ago it was. I sent off a check and about, um, uh, three weeks later, I made sure that the check had cleared mm-hmm. and I went, uh, shopping. I thought, uh, okay, I can go get some groceries cause I was a college student. Right. And I, uh. I bought like I, I I had like twenty twenty five dollars worth of food in the grocery cart, and it my card was declined. <gasps> I was so mad. Oh no! Like they che- they cashed my fifty dollar check. I can't even now. They're not letting me buy twenty bucks worth of food. And I called so I rate and I said, okay, what's going on? And they said, well, Mr. Christensen, and if you're twenty years old, twenty one, twenty two years old, and they're calling you Mr. You know, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, uh, maybe I did something <laughs> wrong. And. uh they said all but about $5 of that payment went to just covering the interest. Oh. Oh, right. So yeah. I had a quick uh, quick lesson in interest. How much was the interest on in that point. first credit card? Do you remember? It was – I would not be surprised if it 
in my mind, I think it was 1990 or 19.9. Wow. That's not, but that's if not it was 25, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. How high do they get to those credit card? Inter- What's like, are they cap on those? No, no, <gasps> unfortunately. Ooh. Um, most, I think average right now, as we talk, uh, it's about 16 and a half, 17%. That's, it's, it's pretty high over the last 20 years I've been following this. It ranges anywhere from four, it's been ranging between 14 and 16, but it, we're, Last uh, six or seven months, been near seventeen. But uh, that's the standard. If you have good interest, if you have good credit, but if you have uh, not so stellar credit, you're going to probably be in the twenty percent, twenty five percent. But I right, you know, yeah. you get store cards that are in twenty five, thirty percent range. Right. Store cards are higher than yeah. regular credit cards. Yeah, they are because they are they are. They have uh, lower standards, uh, qualification standards, so they're taking a bigger risk. And risk and reward are always related. And so if they're going to take a bigger risk, they're going to charge more for their reward. So Um, here you were, this young 20-something. You got your first credit card and you maxed it out. But how did you go from there to now being part of this nonprofit that is focusing on uh, financial fitness or being money fit? Yeah. Well, in, in the early 2000s, I was uh, starting my own I, – I, I took over a, a business for from a mentor of mine uh, that I had been working for. And I it, it was a feast or famine type of a, a business. And my wife and I got married about that time. And I was in the just at the start of a famine. Um, and it was going to be another six, seven months before I had anything. And we all saw – and her job was not going great. They were doing a bunch of downsizing and not hiring. And and I said, you know what? I, let me find something just temporarily. Get us through. Uh, because we had uh, we, we both came with a, with a five-year-old. Oh, so wow. We, each, we had two kids. And I and so I just, I, honestly, I just found this surfing the internet. And, uh, but after about three or four weeks, I was thinking, There's, I don't want to give this up. This is going to be just perfect for me. Now, when you loved, started with the company, yeah. were you in a solid financial state or were you already like struggling with some debt of your own going into this work? I had paid everything off by then, all my uh, my uh, undergrad um, and my master's uh, student loans. I had, I had refinanced and had been able to pay them off in the early 2000s. My wife had been through a divorce and had a... a uh, a little debt left over from that that we were we were dealing with, but uh, neither of us had owned had ever owned a home, and we uh, that's what we did is we went out and, and got a home. While we were engaged, we went and signed the papers and and wow. uh, m- moved in about the same uh, about the same time we got married. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it was. So you it got was. started with this company thinking that it was just going to be kind of a, a bridge for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's it involved a lot of teaching. They said, hey, can, can you get some of these personal finance classes into high schools? And I, I'd always wanted to be a teacher, but I I didn't ever think teachers uh, could make enough for the lifestyle that I wanted when I was younger. I mean, I'd be happy now. but <laughs> um, and, and so I got to teach. And uh, I mean, it was all the great, all the best things about teaching with, without all the, the worst things about teaching. And so I got to go in and teach, enjoyed being with the kids, high school, middle school, I even went down to elementary and all the way up to college and beyond adults. But I didn't have to deal with parents and I didn't have to do any grading. So 
Well, it was that's ideal. Fine. That's always the best because Christine's been a teacher in her her yeah. past life here. In my past yeah. life, yeah, I work in education still, but yeah, being a teacher, there's all of the classroom management and yes. parent issues and all of that. But so you can as, imagine, yeah. yeah, but as an economics teacher in high school, I started to do work with personal finance with the kids because it was interesting as seniors in high school, you'd ask them, well, what is it that you want to do for a living? And Mm -hmm. then what kind of a house or lifestyle do you want? Mm -hmm. And to see students, even at like (laughs) 18 years old, having really no concept of money and, you know, they would be like, oh, well... I want to be a rap music star. And I'm like, okay, well, how's your first album? And they're like, oh, well, well, I'm, you know, that's down the line. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do right now? Oh, I'm just going to, you know, be like my mom. I'm going to stay at home. And I'm like, okay. And what kind of Uh lifestyle do you want? And it's like mansion and all this. I'm like, so what millionaire are you going to marry? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. My boyfriend and I. And it's interesting. You know, Chris and I have already started to have conversations with our three boys that we share. Uh, about, you know, what it is they want to do and what kind of uh, uh, lifestyle that they want. Oh, they all want to be yeah. YouTubers, really. <laughs> Yeah, YouTubers exactly. and rap music stars. <laughs> you know, I used to, I, I would ask uh, for years, I would, I would I'd go in one of the, cl- one of the uh, classes that I would teach would be about choosing a career and matching it with your lifestyle. And it was about 2012, 2015, somewhere in that neighborhood, I started hearing, I'm going to be a YouTuber and it really took off about uh, 2018, 2019 that they would all, I want to be a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no idea what they were talking about early on until I saw my my own teenage boys or tweeners at that point watching other people play video games. Right. Yep. <laughs> I don't get that. Or the I, opening but, of toys, uh, yeah, unboxing I, stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, you never know what the whole deal is. But I guess, you know, they come back and say, well, do you like to play football or, or, or basketball or something like that? And I said, yeah. I said, well, have you ever watched a game? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I get, I guess I can understand that. I guess it makes sense. I didn't think about it like that. So it's like professional something. We're all watching it. It's just the fact that they're getting paid. Like the professional athletes are are getting paid, but the, the NFL network is a little more, I guess, uh, they got the stuff figured out versus like a random YouTube channel. Much more formalized. formalized. Right. Exactly. That's interesting. So is your work with MoneyFit only at the school level or do you work with no. adults? Yeah, we work with our, our, our actually primary client that we that we work with on our um, on our main program, which is a debt management program. That's for uh, as for adults who are struggling with uh, debt, usually high interest rates, credit cards, medical collections. As far as education goes, I, I go wherever there is a demand, wherever there is an opportunity. I mean, I've been into businesses. I've been into uh, government agencies. I've been to prison and jail. And uh, Oh, really? Yeah. So, you, so a prisoner comes to you with debt, like obviously they can't pay it because they're right. in prison. So what do you start with somebody like that? Are we, are we those? That's where I would go in and teach a class on basic um, uh, spending plans, budgeting, mm-hmm. and uh paycheck management and how to deal with debt. So, you know, I just talk about some of the basics so that when they are out, they um, have a have at least a, a little empowerment to to base their, their life going forward on. That makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, there, when you look at crime, mm-hmm. for there's a trigger to an individual entering into a life of crime. And I mean, I'm making a an assumption here mm-hmm. that it's connected to poverty or lack. And so you have an individual who's lacking something 
who out of desperation is trying to figure out how to get it, where if we help empower individuals with the tools to manage their finances, they might not feel so much desperation to make that move that would end them back up in jail or mm. in prison. Yeah, I I mean, I think there's that part of it, you know, talk, it feels very les miserables, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, the poverty. A lot of it is uh, is is related to that, whether it uh, stems from um, uh, drugs and alcohol, or, uh, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, and then and then there's a, there's that also aspect where people just want more than what they have. Mm-hmm. I I believe. I mean, we we do have some income issues in this country, but the vast majority of financial problems are not income problems; they are spending problems. Oh, really, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever traveled outside the country to a third world country knows that as humans, um, we we have very few needs. We need food and water, we need some shelter and security, and we need um, we need typically some some clothing to keep us from frying in the summer and right. freezing in the winter, sort of thing. Other than that, everything else is a want. What? But we don't believe that in this country. We think that an iPhone, you know. 31x whatever is you know whatever's <laughs> right. out the latest is a need um and that we need to have the newest car the biggest car the fastest safest yep. coolest looking car oh yeah speaking, uh, speaking and so me, we, <laughs> yeah, speaking right. to my husband who had to have you know the sports car and the fancy truck uh, however yeah. the sports car's paid off and the fancy That's, truck has zero percent financing so well I'm assuming that you didn't, uh, you did not get into that loan right up, right out of high school, right? Oh I mean, no, no, I could not get a loan. My credit was so bad right out of high school, I couldn't even get a loan. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris, you have to tell them the story about the the tent sale. About the car, the car tent sale. With, yes, with oh, I want to hear this. <laughs> oh well, you know, so one of the first cars I bought, or second cars, I guess I bought. The first car I bought was my truck. My okay, mom co-signed, so okay. I mean, so I trade that vehicle in on a tent sale car. And we talk about the high interest rate I had. Yeah, tell him about Ooh. it. Oh well, these tent sales are very pushy. They they would want yeah. to just move cars, sell, sell, sell. I think they bought the car for like twelve thousand dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, the credit was so bad, and they put tons of money down. And even with all that, I think the interest rate was like twenty five percent. And then and on top of that, so so you just the, made the money man choke. Oh, <laughs> it hurts my heart for a vehicle. I know. So I was paying on that for a while. And eventually I traded that into my other truck, which is another one. So I got a went from that to a new vehicle with an interest rate of about 12%, which or no, mm. no, 9%, which is better than 25, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then I, the next vehicle after that was down was my other truck, which went to like a 3.9%, which is pretty good. <sighs> But the yeah. point and is, you were desperate. 0%. So it went from like yeah. 25 to 9 to 3 to 0. But so. you were young and desperate, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. I always wanted a car, you know, and I could never yeah. – my credit was always so bad. I had some credit card debt that I let go like you like you were doing, you know, paying the minimum payment. And eventually yeah. it went into like they shut it off and the collections. And I was like, well, I got to pay you guys back. If you're not giving me my money, mm-hmm. I'm not paying you. Then screw you. <laughs> so that's what I did. I let some credit cards go into the cl- collections and my credit went really bad. Yeah. And um, it was hard to get a loan. Like, like I went to the dealership to get a car, and they would like laugh at me after they pulled my report. You know, and it was so <laughs> oh, embarrassing. Harsh. Yeah, but I'm sure that you come across individuals that have had some real trauma and negative experiences oh, yeah. as it relates to money and finances. Mm-hmm. And you know, being the money savvy man that you are in the line of work that you're in, 
I'm sure that while you love to work with all clients, that you have an area that you're super passionate about. What is that as it relates to your work? What I what I love to to talk about most and what to to work with people most for me is around um, one debt elimination, getting rid of that the stress of consumer debt, and two um, building that that credit rating with a purpose, not just building it because you think you're supposed to build it, but for purposes to help you, help people get into homes, affordable payments for a home. Um, maybe start a business or uh, whatever it might be. But um, those are those are the two things that I I love doing. And and um, you know, relationship is is relationships are usually in there too. Uh, mm-hmm. Having a couple come into the to the office. This okay. Back in the day when we, people actually came into the office, we always had a box of Kleenex because money money is always uh, going to be a very emotional uh, right, when somebody yeah. comes into our office. And I, there's, you know, I remember one couple coming in and they were so hesitant that I'd met them. They'd seen one of my class, been to one of my classes and they came in and said, we just want to go over a credit report. We don't, we want to buy a home in the next five or 10 years, but we know it's going to be awful and we don't want to look at it, but we need to. And we sat down, pulled their credit report. Almost everything they worried about was no longer there. Oh, wow. What do you mean it wasn't longer there? It because negative stuff drops off after seven years. Wait a second, it does. Yeah, amen to that, right? Well, oh, now it, I thought I showed up on, on some deep credit reports. Should, no. <laughs> like deep in, <laughs> like, 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 like the, deep space nine, like like, 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 the deep, like the dark web or whatever. You know, <laughs> I thought that stuff was yeah. on there. No, the it, it at seven years, negative stuff falls off. That's uh, missed payments, uh, collection accounts, uh, any like over limit. Uh, activity after seven years, it's no longer there. Uh, now, are there exceptions where it accidentally or a creditor keeps reporting? Yeah, that, but you dispute it and, and you get it removed. Um, but yeah, it, the good stuff stays on for ten years. The whole reason there's an expiration date is because the whole point of credit, and this this is where a lot of people w- we have changed the meaning of our con- of consumer credit ratings in this country. We think it's tied to our character. In fact, lenders and and if a lender, I'm going to say if, those lenders who are listening to this show, please take note. Please stop using the word character when it comes to the four C's of, of credit. It, it has nothing to do with our personal character. We've tied it so much to our character that people feel terrible about themselves. They feel beaten down when, when they've you know, get into medical debt that that ends up ruining their credit, or uh, they just make some mistakes, and you know that's not what credit is. The purpose of credit credit ratings are to predict the, our future credit related behaviors. That's all it is. That's the whole purpose. It it has nothing to do with how hard we're trying, what uh, what you know, what schools we went to, um, how popular we are. It's all about. How likely are we to make payments as agreed in the future? And the the best way we've come up with so far, and there's there will be a better way someday, but the best way we've come up so far is to look at past behavior. The credit rating score. Now, which program yeah. do you think is the best? There's like a few of them out there. Is it like as far as credit scores? Yeah, there's right. I don't know. So yeah, there's 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 two credit main credit scores. 
that are generated through our credit reports. The, the score is kind of like the grade. The report is kind of like the teacher's notebook, right? Right. Uh, you had that uh, when you were teaching economics, you had the, well, it was probably on online or on computer at that point. But you guys remember the old green and white lined um, notebooks that teachers used to have back in the 80s and 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, that's like the credit report. It has everything that we've ever done with credit in the last seven to 10 years. But we don't really care about that. I mean, that sounds harsh for all the teachers. <laughs> we don't care about all that stuff we do every day. We just want the grade at the end of the uh, semester, right? Right. And that's what the credit rating or credit score is. So you want th- th- that, that credit score, the higher the score, the, the more likely we are, it says, to pay debt our debts as agreed in the future. And it, it's based on recent past behavior because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Right. But the further in the past it gets, the less reliable of a predictor it is. That's why after seven years, it's just like worthless. Thank heavens, right? right. Because 20 years ago or 30, 25 years ago, my credit activity behavior was awful. And right, uh, yeah. th- But we change, fortunately. And that's one of the reasons why the length of time you've used credit is is often uh, is uh, top three reason uh, top three credit factors in our score, because the longer we've had it and used it, the more lessons we've learned, good or bad, um, and the more likely we are to pay as agreed. Well, you're you're sharing some really positive news for me because so Chris and I have been married almost two years, mm-hmm. but my previous marriage ended uh, seven and a half years ago, and mm-hmm. it was finalized like six and a half years ago with some. We had to have a short sale on our previous house and um, I was left with a mountain of debt from that previous marriage. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. what you're saying, it's filled with a lot of hope for me because when Chris and I got together, one of the things that – so funny. It was like – I don't know, Chris. I think it was our second date, right? When you pulled out your Credit Karma app and you were like showed me. But the (laughs) reason – I was proud of it though because I never had that before. And – and it was because we'd already been open and talking about like past traumas and financial traumas that we'd endured yeah. in our past relationships. And so he was yeah. being super transparent. And I said very honestly to him, I don't want to show you mine because I honestly <laughs> don't know what it is because I've still been through the mm. ringer and it was still yeah. fresh enough. I mean, we've been together for four years now. So it was only, you know, two and a half, three years before that I was closing the chapter on that, that right. heavy stuff. And so – you know, having that following me has definitely been, you almost feel like you're wearing a scarlet letter yeah. when you go in places. And I remember um, a year ago or just over a year ago, I went into a car dealership to purchase a new vehicle because I had a Camaro and it only had four seats in it, but we're a family of five. So as we were blending our family, mm-hmm. I found the need to get a family vehicle. And I walked into the dealership like, so nervous. And it was one of those things, again, because I was thinking it was a reflection on my character. Like, I don't know what you're going to find. Um, you know, I'm a really good person. Here's my yeah. paycheck. I make a lot of money. Please don't what, judge me. Yeah, whatever that number is, it's I went through a really messy divorce. And, you know, yeah. I'm feeling like I have to give my entire life story. Right. Because so much of our society is dependent on credit scores. I mean, I, we talk about this a lot in my work in education is about how credit scores or lack of a credit history impact our um, historically marginalized populations, individuals mm-hmm. of color, because yeah. 
they don't have those doors open to them to even establish credit. And it can be it can be this great divider for people. And it just feels like, why do we even have it? Yeah. It's almost like it creates the culture of like the haves and the have-nots. The haves have great credit and the whole world opens to them. And the have-nots have horrible or no credit. Well, and- they charge the world and then they become the have-nots. Right. And then they charge yeah. them these super high interest rates and it kind of continues to be this system of oppression. So yeah. how do people break free? It it fe- it certainly feels that way. I mean, there there are pro- there are issues with our credit reporting on the credit reporting side. Uh, credit reporting, uh, creditors, it's still optional what they report and to whom they report or if they report. Right. And so there, there are, that opens up uh, a lot of possibilities for, um, uh, I guess, passive discrimination right. where they, they, they will just not report. I don't think there's much active of that going on, but system, uh, I mean, just, it's just the way it's developed over the years. Yes, it, there are issues. The credit score is pretty, um, it, it, it is pretty black and white. I mean, it's just looks at whatever is on the credit report. So the problem problem is, here, here's the thing. It's, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who have very high incomes mm-hmm. and have terrible credit. And I've worked with people who have very modest or meager incomes even and have excellent credit. So the income doesn't reflect the credit report at all? There is a correlation, but it's not cause and effect. Absolutely not. I mean, there's income is not there. There are over 130 factors in the FICO score uh, model. Um, the eight plus uh, those since eight, uh, and not a single one of them has anything to do with income. Really interesting. So, so you, you can, can have like a minimum wage job, but have like 800 credit score. Sure. Yeah. It's it's not about income. It, it doesn't have anything to do with employment or education. It's just, are you using whatever credit, small as it might be, are you paying it back as agreed and keeping your balances as low as possible? And so, um, you know, I've, I remember talking with a, an, ar- an architect and his wife who was also working and uh, they, were, they were making, in today's dollars, probably $250,000 a year. They, they were struggling, make right. ends meet. Because their credit was not great, they they just sometimes, and it's not it's not uncommon uh, for professionals generally just to think I'm making hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year. I'll just can spend whatever I want. But this is America, you know. Right. You can think about, you can dream it, you can buy it, and that's kind of the way it works. And people get it way over in their head in debt, and um, their credit suffers because they they can't. You if you max out your credit card, that's kind of one of the a big no-nos as well. That's going to hurt your credit. Even if you're making your minimum payments on time, which is the number one, by the way, let me just put it out there. Number one thing, as long as you're making your minimum payments on time every month, um, that's the best thing you can do for your credit. But if you're maxing out your cards and um, that, that's going to that's gonna drag down your scores. What about if the people like who um, use their credit card but then pay it off each month afterwards? Yeah. That, How does that work out for them? Yeah, generally, I actually um, what I what I recommend is because you want to keep your card active. You don't. There's there's no score. None of those scores says anything about how many purchases you have to make or how big of purchases uh, the purchases have to be. So so anybody who says, well, you have to carry 
you know, 30% balance or 20%. You have to make these major purchases. You have to buy 25, you have to buy 25 things. That's all blowing smoke. All you need is one purchase a month and pay it off. I I recommend to people, look, have you got a, you got your cell phone bill? You can talk all you want, text all you want. It's not going to go up and you're not going to overspend with it. Just put that on your credit card and on another card, put uh, your Netflix or your Disney plus or Hulu or whatever. And uh, that's, that's really all you need is just one purchase a month on an account and it'll, and it'll keep it kind of golden. I like so to like put that, that, my uh, like my online purchases on credit cards only because I think because if there's a mistake, the credit card company is usually pretty quick to refund that versus like your yeah. bank account. They can be, yeah, yeah. We just had that experience uh, this last spring when we went uh, trip to uh, to New York, and um, we checked out after one day because the hotel was was awful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mention who it was. Oh, come on now. <laughs> no. And, uh, um, and they charged us for like four day, four nights. What? And I, we were only going to stay there for three. And they, they said, well, you never checked out. I'm like, uh, we did. And then, uh, but we, so we argued with the credit card or we, we dis- disputed with the credit card company. They went back and forth with them and they came back and said, no, they said they, they, it's true. And we argued again and provided, yeah. And we got it, finally got it uh, taken care of because they were, they were adamant. Wow. Hotel. They we they were in charges four nights, That's but crazy. yeah, it, it does have its benefits, um, but it also has its drawbacks. I mean, it, it, for anybody who uses credit cards for business, it's great. You rack up all those rewards potentially, and it, it comes with classification of your uh, categorization of your expenses. You know, whenever you get your statement, so it's great for accounting. Um, the downside is when we use plastic, whether it's credit card or debit card or prepaid card. We overspend. We we spend uh, whenever there's a consumer decision to make. Uh, we spend on average about fifteen percent more than we would if we used cash. Oh, no wow. way. Yeah, yeah, and it's much worse when you're talking about restaurants. If you go into fast food, it's going to be like twenty percent, and if you go into a sit-down restaurant, it's closer to fifty percent more. No way. I think- if you take in a credit card versus if you just Taking in cash. And it's even more than that if you find that the other person's paying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? That's your strategy, Chris. Anytime I'm like, babe, I'm buying dinner. He's like, well, I'm going to have a second round of drinks. So it's surf and turf today. (laughs) And what do I tell you every time we go into a restaurant and you pull out your cards to pay? I said, use your debit card. And you're like, well, I'll just put it on the credit card. And I'm like, no, because if you use your debit card, the money is gone. And we don't have to think about it. And Mm -hmm. we stay tighter on our budget. But your response is what? Well, I know one of my credit cards has like four or three percent cash back return. Exactly, on he wants the rewards. That's how they right. rope him in. He is like, yep. but they even make those rewards worthwhile. You can spend like a million dollars, I think, on even get your yeah. money back. Okay, now yeah. Todd, Todd, we're gonna switch gears for just a second. We're okay. gonna uh, ask you about a couple of money-related topics that we think you have some expertise in to get your input. Um, oh, let's give it a go. Yeah, so. First thing that we're going to ask you about are payday loans. Should people mm-hmm. do them or not? <laughs> Excuse me, I just it almost uh, died there. Stuck <laughs> in my throat. Yeah. Okay, not a fan of payday loans. Say it right up front. Um, are there good people working in the payday loan industry? I I, I would assume so. Um, but a payday loan fee works out. Uh, they they usually they advertise it is usually. Very low end, fifteen percent up to twenty twenty five percent, and so you think, oh, you know, credit cards. I I said credit card interest rates are about fifteen, sixteen, seventeen percent, right? Mm-hmm. 
but a payday loan fee is for a loan that's generally two weeks. And so if you want to compare apples to apples, you have to extend that two-week loan into a 52-week loan. So multiply, say, 15% times 26, because that's how many two-week loans, two-week periods are in a year, and all of a sudden you're at almost 400% uh, annualized interest. Right. And the they can put that on the paperwork when you do sign because I've done the payday loan a few times. I did yeah. I did a couple of them when it, right after I, <laughs> after I got that credit card, I think, early on. But yeah. Okay. Next topic, rent to own furniture stores. Should you buy your furniture there? If you want to pay twice as much for what you're getting as what you can get in a normal store, go ahead. The prices that they advertise are weekly, usually. Uh, Their monthly payments, they say, oh, get this for this month, much a month. And we're all used to monthly payments, but they're usually weekly payments. Right. And and I've um, had a number of uh, several rent-to-own managers, former rent-to-own managers in some of my class. And they say, yeah, if 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 the payment was due at 12 o'clock and it's not in my office, uh, I'm sending somebody out at 1130. So that at twelve oh one, they will be taking back the couch or the. Oh my gosh! The, right, the, I, I knew a guy clients. that did that as a living, and it's tough work because you get the door slammed on you, probably shotgun, sure. shotgun pulled on you. You get all kinds of people. They're not gonna. I mean, you're taking their stuff. It's like a repossession yeah. thing, mm-hmm. even though it's not really their yeah. stuff. It's the rent own company's stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's hard work too doing that, but I, I get your saying, you know, and, and I've actually done the rent to own thing. And when I did it, there was a plan where you could pay it off early and they didn't accrue any extra interest or some goofy mm-hmm. thing like that. But you had like a 12 month window to do that. And that's what I yeah. did for like a washing machine. Yeah. I I used one, went, uh, moved once this was 25 years ago and the company rented some, uh, some appliances because the, they got lost on, on the renting rental truck at the time. Oh. And so that, you know, we use that. That's kind of what it made, made sense for. But generally, uh, I, I tell people, look, instead of saying, oh, it's only, you know, 60% more or 50, it's only, instead of doing that, I, I say, what would it be like to have two of those high definition TVs instead Ooh. of just one for the same price? And all of a sudden uh, they think, oh, wait a minute, I could have one in each room for what I'm paying. It's a different way of looking at things because they, they the prices are, are are quite a bit higher. But they have to be because they're taking much of higher of a risk. And again, risk and reward, I don't fault them for that. It's just I generally recommend people um, try a different way. Excellent. Thank you for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next topic, transferring balances on credit cards for lowest interest rates. Mm-hmm. Perspective on that. Okay. So – it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it can end up horrendously in uh, against you because it's not a debt. A lot of people think I'm paying off my debts. <laughs> You're not. You're just shuffling your debt. Right. I call it the debt shuffle. Yeah. Same thing with a debt consolidation loan. It's You're just moving your debt from this account to that account. And if you don't focus on paying down the debts after that, it, it does you no good. Oh, I have 0% interest. Well, what do you think the majority of people do when they all of a sudden realize that they have zero interest and um, a bunch of extra credit cards that are have zero balances? They spend. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's been probably 15 years since I saw it, but there was a, I think it was an American Express study I saw that showed that upwards of about 70% of people who did that would take their other credit cards and run them, their balances right back up to the original I, yeah. amount. 
Yeah. So basically, you're doubling the amount of debt you have. That's probably why um, I love doing it. And I heard there's also a fee to do that too, isn't there? Like a, a transfer fee. So not only it's not zero percent, even though it says zero percent, but there's yeah, a, there's a fee on top of that. So you're really you're charging yourself to do that. Yeah, yeah. There, there. You used to be able to back in the late 2000s, early 2010s. You used to be able to transfer money um, at no fee to zero and and no and no interest. But they started charging fees, and so that's usually three to five percent, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. And it's usually if you're good, if you're if you're disciplined, then yeah, you're going to save money at zero percent, even with that three percent transfer. If you can if you can just keep uh, your your spending in check. So I tell people it's it's treating the symptom. Make sure that you treat the cause after you after you start treating the symptom. Uh, make sure that if you are an overspender, that you can rein that spending in. If it was a medical, ongoing medical thing, maybe you know that's not maybe not be the the right answer. It's just moving moving it or pushing it down the road. Mm, really good point. Okay, I have one more for you before we go on to our next topic. So mm-hmm. the next question is: Do you think that people should fall into the let me take advantage of this credit card promotion and get a new credit card? so that I can get XYZ thing free. So for example, uh, when people are flying on the airplanes, they always have those fill out um, the American Airlines or whatever credit mm-hmm. card application to get you know 100,000 free miles after you spend $5,000. Are right. those a good deal or not? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring up the, the discipline aspect again. Uh, most, of those, most of those reward cards, not all, but uh, those that have rewards worth really focusing on will have an annual fee. And a lot of them will give you a first year free, which, you know, it's, it's, that's great. But if you don't put that in your, um, in your calendar and, and a reminder to cancel it or to take advantage of it, um, there's a reason why they give those, they, they, they are giving those rewards away. It's, as much as we'd like to think that they are just being kind and being a, a generous company, they know, they absolutely know that by offering rewards, they're going to get more people to sign up who are going to carry balances and pay fees. Yep. Right. So in on balance, it's in the credit card company's favor. If you're disciplined and you are focused, most of those reward cards, you need to just pick one or two and just focus on that one or two. That The shotgun approach doesn't really uh, end up all that great. And so, if, you know, if you're interested in something like that, there's usually um, or a, a company or a, a, there's a lot of blogs. Like the, the points guy, um, met him last year at, at a conference and he has some great information on how to take advantage of rewards. But if, unless you're disciplined, unless you have a plan, it's usually going to backfire. So Todd, what would be a good uh, kind of, if you're looking for a credit card to get, I know there's all kinds of credit cards. There's different types. Like, I don't know, like what would be good pointers, good things to look for when you're trying to get out your, get your first credit card or a credit card. Mm, Yeah. So one of the things that I I recommend is um, don't shop by interest rate. One that tells me something. If if somebody comes and says, well, this one only has a 12% interest. Okay, well, how much debt are you planning on carrying? Because as long as it has a, gra- uh, uh, as long as it has a grace period, then you're not going to pay any interest, no matter what the interest rate. Uh, 
Ooh. So shop for the credit card that has the lowest fees or no fees, ideally. And, uh, and then keep in mind that credit cards, uh, this is another kind of a change of mentality, uh, mindset dif- uh, change. Don't see your credit card as uh, something for emergencies. That's what? that's not what credit cards were not meant for emergencies they're as much. Not? That's what not. I like think about them. <laughs> oh no! So what? So it's not emergencies because emer- yeah. So emergencies. What's you? What? What's the point? Of, uh, what are you supposed to have for emergencies? Emergency savings. That's the purpose of. Uh, that's what we use for emergencies. Because if we say I'm just going to get it for emergencies, okay, take me back to college again. You know. Two week, it's a week and a half till payday. I got no money left in my account, but I got a credit card and my friends come knocking. Hey, let's go Let's go to a movie. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Emergency. That's Social an emergency. emergency, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, our, our definition of emergency changes. So right. I, I, I suggest looking for cards that have low, no fees and that fit your... What you're what you're needing? You don't need necessarily a card. If if you have if you know or if you haven't thought about it, do you have the discipline to use a card? Um, there's 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 basically four questions to ask uh, before you should even get a, uh, your first credit card. One, do you have income? If you don't have income, you really have no business having a credit card in your own name. Can you get one? Yeah, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. Um, but if you don't have in steady income for, I'd say like six months, six months or more, probably not, shouldn't be using a, a credit card. Are you planning your, um, spending? So do you have a budget? Have you been living by a budget? Do you know what you can afford to spend for six months or more? Um, are you using a debit card without a, again, having it declined? Then maybe for you know six months or more, uh, then maybe you're ready for a credit card because if you're getting de- declined credit or debit cards, what that it means is that you are um, you don't know how much you are supposed to be spending. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is, uh, do you have a savings fund put together? Because if you don't have a savings fund and you're starting to use a credit card. The chances of you ever having a savings fund have gone down to almost zero. Mm. You're going to join the 80% of American workers who have who live paycheck to paycheck and do not build savings at all. Mm. So those are the four things. Uh, then you then you know then you can start looking around. Okay, now what's if I've done been doing this, I should be able to uh, be prepared to to use a credit card and and avoid fees and interest. It's a really good point. Now. Todd, I want to pick your brain about Mm -hmm. a little bit of a topic that seems a bit obscure to me. So I was reading about Money Fit by DRS, the Mm -hmm. 501c3 that you work for. Mm -hmm. And what I couldn't figure out is what makes your organization different than the companies that I see on late night infomercials that talk (laughs) about, you know, will help you consolidate your debt. Because as I was raised, my parents always told me, don't go to one of those companies it's a scam. It's going to end up killing your credit and you're going to end up just owing money to that organization instead. So how are you different or are you different? Yeah. No, yeah, we are. And bless your mom and dad for telling you that. Uh, so there, here, the, the, the confusion comes from the fact that anybody can call themselves a debt counselor. Anybody who's working with debt, somebody, a consumer's debt, 
Oh, I'm a debt counselor, whatever, right? So uh, those companies that you're talking about are, are debt settlement companies that say, send a letter to your creditors telling them not to contact you anymore because it's true by law. Once you send a letter to a company a creditor and say, don't contact me anymore, they can't. But the only way they can get in touch with you is through the courts, which often they do and take you to court and win a judgment and garnish your wages. Uh, so that's debt settlement where they promise we can get you out of 50% of what you – that's a, that's a classic statement, by the way. Mm-hmm. They'll usually cite whoever the newest president is that they've just signed a bill and in, in, uh, that you don't have to pay your credit card debt. So call us and we'll get you out. Oh, my gosh. Scam. You sounded just like it. Like you just <laughs> – but that's the commercial, <laughs> the voice of Todd. Go ahead. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> but that is that is exactly what they do. And and most of those are going to leave you worse than you were before. There are some debt settlement companies that are legitimate. Usually they're uh, small. Uh, I, I, the ones that I would recommend you work with somebody who's small and local works at a, a, at a, a is a, an attorney that does that. Um, some of these big places, I'm just not a huge fan of them because you owe what, – what, I mean, if you were a credit card company, if I owed you guys $10,000 of credit card debt and I just sent you a letter saying, um, don't don't contact me anymore, uh, how happy are you going to be? Very upset. I'd be yeah. and, mad and so, you weren't paying me. Right. And so what are you going to do? Well, okay, what are my options? I'm going to sell this to a collection agency for $3,000 and take a $7,000 hit. No, I don't want to do that. Let's pay an attorney $2,000 or $3,000 to file something in court. And then we'll start garnishing your wages because you ticked us off so much. We're willing to do that. They can do that? They can garnish your wages? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How if they get if they get a judgment in court, a win a judgment in court against you, and they will if if you owe them money, you'll get a summons, um, and and uh, if you don't show up, they win automatically. It's a default judgment. Now is that for and, every single state, or is it only certain states? Um, I I'm not an attorney, so I can't answer that exactly, but I don't know of of of, of states. I have I'm not aware of states that where they can't do that. Oh. Okay, I know that when it comes to credit, there are different rules for different states. Yeah. You see in the little fine yeah. print and stuff. So I didn't know that California yeah. this and New York that. So I was just yeah. wondering if they do that here. That's kind of kind of worried now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So um, that uh, that's a, a, always a, a concern. So where where let's see what where was the, what was the original question? I got I got off on my tangent. So the question was on those. Uh, oh yeah, what, what, we do, what, what makes we do. you different at MoneyFit by DRS yes. versus those debt yeah. consolidation so, loan places? Right. So MoneyFit by DRS is uh, a nonprofit consumer credit counseling agency. So our clients through a consumer credit counseling agency like ours will pay 100% of what they owe. The, the agency um, works with the creditors to establish a new agreement rather than a, a adversarial approach, which is the debt settlement, which we're going to force them to accept this. It's a, a partnership approach where the creditors already have uh, these kind of plans available if the consumer needs them, where the interest rates will just, it, it, we work on interest rates. So the interest rates are down to 0% or 2 or 5 or 8%. Um, so that's a huge deal when somebody's got that 18, 25, 30%. I've seen default interest rates and, and you guys know that default is code for penalty. Mm-hmm. You, know, you miss you miss a payment and it, it, your interest rate shoots up. 
I've seen default rates as high as 60 and 70% on Ooh. credit cards. Those oh, are not boy. payday loans. Those are credit cards. What? Um, they're usually cards that are, that are targeting um, high-risk borrowers, uh, uh, consumers. But somebody's got a 20, 30, 40% interest rate, and all of a sudden now they, they can pay it off at, at 2% or 5%. That's a big deal. And yeah, their monthly payment goes way down, and they're out of debt in five years or less, no prepayment penalty. They've got a partner in the whole process to step them through. Uh, there's no direct effect on the uh, FICO credit score. The, there is There are some fees, but they're capped by every state. They're very reasonable. Um, and even with those fees, the monthly payment goes way down, typically goes way down. So then are you, Todd, able to support individuals from any state that contact you? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. We, yeah, we do. We uh, For the last three, three years or so, we've been registered to do uh, this kind of work in every single state and D.C., there are limitations to the types of debt. Uh, we, we, we can't work with secured debt. So mortgages, car loans, RV loans. Interesting. Uh, so it's got to be things. credit card debt. Yeah, it's got to be an unsecured so credit card, cor- correct, uh, collections accounts, uh, medical debts, old utility bills, what old cell phone school bills. Loans? Uh, school loans also, if they're, uh, they're generally, because, because there are some, um, unique laws that pertain to student loan debt that uh, we, we uh, by regulation, we can't work with those either. It's not that we don't want to. We do have some student loan counseling services, or mm-hmm. uh, but um, student loans have been, uh, the, the, the things have been changing so much in, with student loan debt over the last five, ten years, and, and even in the last couple of years that um, it's, it's, challenging to get to to do much with in that yep in that, it's challenging uh, to right pay them back too yeah. let me tell yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 dr christine right. over here living the yeah. life of the school <laughs> loans yep yeah and you're on that uh you know the the 10-year debt uh or, or debt forgiveness track as a, as a teacher right well so. i'm hoping so so there's the new provisions that came out that i need to apply for Yep. Uh, because I'm just entering repayment now. Uh, mm-hmm. I just graduated and I just entered repayment this month, actually. And so oh, I, got congratulations. That, <laughs> ugh, I got that first notice from, you know, earning my yep. my doctorate from USC. And it's like, mm-hmm. ouch, okay, okay, I could do this, you know, <laughs> got to figure this out. Yep. Just uh, yeah. tighten up the belt and, you know, get at it. But it's, it's a lot. And just thinking, yeah. like you said, about being an American and trying to chase the American dream comes with a price tag. And if you're not careful, that price tag can leave your bank account overdrawn, literally, and impact you for the rest of your life. So uh, now on that note, Todd, for our listeners, because we have them from all over the country, all over the world that are Mm -hmm. listening in and they're thinking, goodness, you know, I could really use some of these strategies and figuring out how to get control of my finances and get out of debt because it just feels yucky. How can they reach out to you at MoneyFit by DRS? Sure. So uh, MoneyFit, we we have, of course, our website, moneyfit.org. Uh, that's probably the simplest way. Our 
they can call us 800-432-0310 and talk directly, uh, just get a hold of one of our counselors. And basically what we do is we go through um, your your household finances. We, we ask, okay, what, what are the debts you're dealing with? What is, what's your income? What are your monthly expenses? So that we have a, a, a broad view anyway of what's possible and uh, because not not everybody qualifies. I mean, it, if you are making, you know, you have $1,000 a month that you're paying in debts and you're making so much money that you could easily afford two or three or $4,000, the creditors are not going to look happily on that and say, yeah, we're, you can pay it with the with the original interest rate. But most people are going to be, uh, that, that contact us are going to be in that point where they're like, I'm just, you know, it's, I'm not sure how long this can last or I'm already in trouble. And then, uh, and then it takes uh, anywhere from 30 to, to 90 days to get those agreements in place. They're making payments um, to the creditors in the meantime and uh, so that it doesn't go late. And we, we just step them through, um, you know, one step at a time, make sure that they can get on this program and, and uh, uh, be it's, – it's a huge relief when, when somebody finally realizes, okay, I, I've always wondered if I'm doing the right thing. And then to have have somebody, a professional, finally step in and say, okay, this is how you're set up now. And um, to, to have that kind of validation that, okay, I'm taking a good step toward getting out of debt and getting my life back. Well, Todd, thank you so much for the insight that you've provided. And I would say that you've broken down some of the myths of finances for us oh, in good. terms of demystifying or kind of breaking that code of what it takes to actually make your way to financial freedom and um, solid credit. And so I just want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners. I know that Chris and I are going to have a lot to talk about after this, just because you've (laughs) provided some really interesting points that I think will help us as we're educating our boys. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you so much and best of luck to you. Thank you. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. You know, I think Todd was fantastic. Talk about credit cards and spending and all the stuff you probably should already know, but people always seem to not really care about that much. You know, they spend rack stuff up all the time. You know how it is. Absolutely. And I loved when we were able to talk with him about like some of those common things that you see on TV, like the payday loans and the rent to own furniture and that kind of stuff and get his perspective on it. Because, you know, one of the things about money is some people don't get the opportunity to learn about it in school. Like it's not something that is always taught very frequently. And so when we think of like money management, being able to learn money management is a tool for getting out of poverty. And so helping to educate people about what is and isn't a good investment, I think is really helpful. That's true. And you know that a lot of people do, um, they always try to like spend with above their means and they try to, it's almost like, um, it's sad to see this, but a lot of the middle class, uh, I would say. Try are to the, keep up, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that really are the ones always in debt or they're always trying to like buy more than they can afford and credit. Right. It seems like credit lenders and credit card companies seem to really target that group of pe- individuals. They don't seem to waste their time too much with the, the really poor people or the really high people that much. They do a little bit, but not as much, I would think, because those people, the high end, they just buy things in cash if they can. And the low end, their credit is so bad they can't, you know, even afford yeah, anything. I, so. I just – 
think that money is just something that we definitely need to be more open and having conversations about in relationships and asking for help to become more educated. I know that, you know, coming out of my first marriage, I really felt like I didn't have a strong grasp of money management and I spent a lot of time and energy on figuring out my finances, getting my credit in order, establishing the savings, all of that. And um, I would say it's definitely been an adjustment now that we're a family of five, figuring out how to adjust my finances to account for that. Because you got to remember, like I was a single mom taking care of myself and my son. And now it's like providing for a family of five. But it's you're, so a huge good at, you're so good at it though, baby. Well, thanks. I work around the clock to be able to do it. Uh, you do. You're amazing. And I, I'm still like trying to figure stuff out myself you know like i've always been a single dad myself father of two so it was myself and the two kids what do we need to do what do we, you know and then i only had them half the time makes wife had them the other half of the time so yeah it was like how do i figure out myself plus my time with my kids now it's you like and finances and all that kind of stuff right I mean, yeah it's definitely a new learning journey but you know i think that having taught on the show is really helpful i'm gonna listen back to this episode a couple of times and just listen to his insight. I think it has some good little truth nuggets for us. And where else can our listeners find more of our episodes or hear us on the replay? You always can go to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And on that website, we have, of course, the podcast and podcast stuff, all kinds of little banners you can click on. So you like Spotify, got one for that, Apple, so on and so forth. Also, we have Christine Smith Designs, your very own link to her website right on there. Absolutely. And don't forget to check out Live 365 and the new K2 radio station. Tune in. You'll hear snippets of lots of different past versions of our podcast episodes and great music. And you can just tune in and let Chris keep you company all day long. That's right. It's running 24-7, baby doll. I don't know if I can handle that. I mean, you're a lot. The handle 24-7, Chris? <laughs> 24-7, Chris. <laughs> no, if you ever wanted a little bit of happy in your life, definitely tune in to the K2 Radio on Live 365 because Chris has a way of just lifting everybody's spirit. I sure do, baby, don't I? <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here with us and we'll be back with you next, next week. week.